Hey everybody, my name is Ryan and I am the host here at Small Business Chronicles. Every week we try to bring you some advice, some help to navigate that small business entrepreneur area or a story about somebody's journey in entrepreneurship that can help you out. So today we're going to give you a little bit of advice and we're going to debunk some tax myths with Wendy Barlin, CPA, author of the book, That's Deductible. How are you doing today, Wendy? Fabulous. Thank you, Ryan. Hey, thank you so much for coming on our show because my audience and the people I'm trying to reach are entrepreneurs, newer entrepreneurs, maybe maybe seasoned entrepreneurs. But taxes is one of those things that can sneak up on you if you you're, you're out there and you're working and you're thinking about your product or your service or your business or your agency and you're doing all these things and all of a sudden you're making a profit. You're you're making money. And now here comes Uncle Sam, the tax man, and he's like, I get some of that. Um, what and, and today I want to, to go over three or four of the biggest myths that if you're not educated going into business, right. you, you get to the tax thing. So, so what's the number one myth that you see? Well, before we jump into the myth itself, just to say, I think the reason that these myths perpetuate is because many business owners don't start off in their business with a tax advisor. And so it's often their brother or their cousin or their golf buddy or their book club friend or their neighbor who's giving them tax advice. And that person is sharing their bad advice or their crazy stories. And then they go to Google and verify. So I think that's why myths perpetuate through the business community. Um, Because once somebody gets to a tax advisor, they can usually get those dispelled. But the number one myth that I hear with Every phone call is, my accountant told me that if I take a home office deduction, I'm going to get audited. And that was true 25 years ago. And today, there are multi-millions of home office filers in this country. Even before COVID, there were millions of home office filers. So I want to be clear that if you are entitled to a home office deduction, then you should absolutely take it. It is extremely valuable and it will not get you audited. That is simply not true. 25 years ago, I had a client where the IRS knocked on their door and said, please show me your office. (gasps) You have a television? Today, that's simply not the case. So if you are entitled to the home office deduction, please do make sure that you take it. And that brings me, I was getting ready to ask a follow-up question. Is there a parameter for the home office? Is is there certain markers that if a tax man does show up and knock on the door, that your right. home office has to meet certain criteria? Right. So, in fact, they will not come and look anymore. I mean, if you called the IRS, like, there's no one there. So, I don't think they're coming. What will happen is they'll send you a letter. But the chances are they're not even going to do that because it's become such a common deduction. Now, to know if you're entitled to it or not, that's the crux. And it's not about whether you have a couch or a television anymore. It is now about the phrase primary office. So the law says you can deduct your home office only if it is your primary office. And this is often where people can unknowingly run afoul of the law because they say, well, I have an office with a door. I have no couch, no fridge, no television. It must be legitimate, so I'm okay. 
but that's actually not the case. It has to be your primary office. What does primary office mean? Well, you can't have another office for your own comfort. So an example of a lawsuit that happened was a lawyer who said, well, I go to the office and meet with clients during the day, and then I come home at night and on the weekend and I send email, I do billing, and the IRS said, no, no, no. Your home office is simply for your convenience. It is not your primary office. Same with doctors, right? You see patients all day, you come home, you want to do some billing, that is not your primary office. So for those of us running all kinds of other businesses, do you have a primary and a secondary office? Be careful about co-working studios. Is that your primary office? What does the lease with the co-working space say? Is it you can just use conference room space for 10 hours a month? Or does it say you have an office with a door that is specifically for you? Then your home office is not your primary office. So be very careful about the definition of primary office. And this is really where you want to work with your tax advisor to make sure that you are within the realm of that law. Because yes, we want to play in the gray, but we don't ever want to do anything illegal. There's a very big difference. So it's got to be your primary office. It's got to be where you work out of most of the time. It can't Correct. just be a comfort thing. It's Correct. and and once again, yeah, since COVID, they're they're not. And as you said, you can call the IRS. Nobody's answering phones at all, ever. <laughs> right. They're certainly um, not coming to your door. In fact, today I just wrote a blog post from the IRS just uh, put out on their news site today that they won't be doing home visits at all, period, anymore without a prior appointment and or only in the cases of the most egregious filers who have been ignoring their mail for a year. So, you know, they're not coming. But to that point, it's also an easy audit when you have two lines on your tax return, one that says rent expense and one that says home office deduction. Okay, you don't have to be a brain surgeon to go, mm, that looks a little fishy, right? So you have to imagine that the IRS are spending a lot of money on computers and technology to uh, look for more money. And the computers are running through your tax returns looking for this. So the computer can see that you are deducting rent and home office, and that will trigger a letter that you will then have to explain why you have both. So for me, I tell my clients, just don't have both. I mean, it's pretty simple. Don't have both. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or don't claim both. You can have both, just don't Correct. claim both. <laughs> Correct, uh, and decide what would... which is your best deduction. If you must have both, then decide which is your best deduction and take that one. That's fair. All right, so home office... Home office audit would be number one. Yes. All right. What would be not getting audited for taking a home office? The second myth is that bank statements and credit card statements are proof of purchase. This is absolutely not true. In the unlikely event that you are audited and you get one of those notices saying, Dear Ms. Barlin, please substantiate your expense for meals or office supplies. They are going to ask to see your receipts. And it is your responsibility as a business owner to keep your receipts. A credit card statement and a bank statement are not 
receipts. I can't be clear enough about this. Bank statements and credit card statements are not receipts. You have to have the actual receipt. Now, it doesn't have to be a piece of paper. It can be a JPEG, a PDF, whatever technological system you have, but you have to have a receipt. Think about it. It kind of makes sense. At Target or Best Buy or Hilton Hotels, you can have a charge on your credit card, but they have no idea what you really bought. At Target, you can buy all your groceries and or office supplies and or a computer. And all your credit card statement is going to show is the date, target, and the amount. Whereas the IRS, in order to actually prove the deductibility of an expense, they want to see your receipt. Uh, airline tickets, they want to see your boarding pass. Hotel expenses, they want to see the folio. How many people were in the room? Did you order room service and movies? Or was it just your hotel stay? So please keep your receipts. Now, just to add to that, if you don't have your receipts, because I come across a lot of taxpayers who don't have their receipts, you're not going to tax receipt jail. There is no tax receipt jail. All that's likely to happen under audit is that you could get your deductions denied. That would be a horrible day. They would deny your deductions. That could happen. Most of the time under audit, we can negotiate it out. So I would say, Ms. Barlin is such a good taxpayer. She's paid on time every year, IRS agent. Can we cut her a little bit of slack? Um, and most of the time, they'll agree and we'll end up negotiating to 50 or maybe 60 or 70% deductions. But just know it is your responsibility as the business owner to keep your receipts. That is your proof of deduction. Yeah. And, and go back to the itemized thing is that yes. that is one of the biggest things that you need to know that that is why bank statements don't work. Uh, that is that is why those that when I go to the coffee shop, I buy everybody coffee. I hit the button on the kiosk thing. It sends me an email. I have a folder. All of those go to because then I have an itemized that I bought two matcha lattes at 930 a.m. Yeah. And, but Jack Daniels, as much as we want it to be, is not a deductible expense. So if they just see that you spent 40 bucks at Target, they don't know what you bought. So so just going back to that because... Um, yeah, I think that's really important is looking at what is on there. And taxes are very gray. So the law says anything is deductible for your business that is ordinary and necessary. That all, that's all it says. So if I did, in fact, buy a scarf, I could claim that that scarf was a business gift or an employee gift or a promotional item. And that's where working with your tax advisor to look at every single expense line item and say, within my business, could this be an ordinary and necessary business expense? And if it is, and you have your receipt, then by all means, take that deduction. I would stay away from the things that are specifically not deductible, like gym memberships, clothing, uh, makeup and hair. But when it comes to ordinary and necessary, you be as broad as you want to be. There's everywhere from super aggressive to super conservative. 
so I, I've got, so I, I, this is what I do for a living. I, I sit here and I talk into a microphone and I produce. So later this week, I'm getting headshots. I know those are going to be deductible and, and equipment to edit podcasts is going to be of deductible, course. but you, but you said clothes. So explain to me why, if I buy an outfit for my headshots, why that isn't deductible. Because it's just the law. I know it's awful. I used to work in Hollywood with all the actors and actresses who would say, but I need to buy something for the red carpet. Yeah, the IRS don't care. There's nothing reasonable or normal about the IRS, right? The law is no clothes. Now, the shirt that you're wearing, if it has your logo on it, that's a uniform and that is deductible. But just to say, I need nice clothes for my headshots, yeah, not deductible. So, so the, the lesson to learn here is get them to stitch it somewhere it's not seen so you can call it a uniform. 100%. And or um, sometimes there'll be, um, sometimes there'll be a requirement, you know, where your employer or your contract says, I must wear a black shirt to work. And I don't usually wear black shirts. If they wanted a photo of my closet, they could see I don't own any black shirts and I had to go and buy it specifically then that would be deductible. But again, in the realm of ordinary and necessary and all the possible deductions in the world, why would you take one that you know the IRS doesn't like? So I always tell people, I'm all about being aggressive, but don't be a red flag to a bull, right? Oh, absolutely. I'm writing down ordinary to necessary. Ordinary and necessary, absolutely. And and be reasonable. You know, I tell people, if you make $100,000, don't spend 50000 on meals and, and, and promotions. That's going to no. look strange. Be reasonable. Look at your expenses and go, does it make sense that someone in my position would spend 10000 on advertising, 10000 on meals? Uh, and, you know, I had one young man who was audited. He was in his 20s. He worked in real estate. He had $25,000 in meals. And he got audited. And he got a complete clean bill of health because he had all his receipts and he could make a case that in real estate, it's all about relationships. He had dinner and coffee and drinks out every night with different people. And think about it. How do they really double check that? Are they going to call me and go, Ms. Barlin, did you and Ryan have dinner on Thursday at eight? And what did you talk about? They're not going to do that. They're looking at reasonable numbers. They're looking at the growth of your business. They're looking at the receipts. And then you get your deduction. All right. So we have uh, home office isn't going to get you in any trouble. Bank statements are not receipts. We've covered right. that. What would be the next myth that you want to debunk The for next us? one is car expenses. I see a lot of business owners who are not deducting any vehicle expenses. And they say to me, I can't because I own the vehicle personally. This is simply not true. Even if you own or lease your vehicle in your own name, in your own social security number, you can still deduct the costs related to that vehicle through your business. The way you do it legitimately is by having a um, minute or a note to your business that says, Berlin Business Solutions hereby agrees to pay for the expenses of the vehicle owned by Wendy Berlin. That's it. Then I get to deduct the business use percentage 
of my own personal vehicle. This can often be a very big deduction, especially if you are in the business where you're out on the road meeting people, you've got to go to different sites, you have to go to locations, um, and even frankly, if you make several stops. So the way the law is written, if you have a home office deduction, a legitimate one, and this afternoon when I leave my home, I am going to the UPS store and then I'm going to pick my son up from summer camp. The IRS says that entire trip is tax deductible, even though a portion of it is personal when I pick my son up from camp, which is way out of the way. The IRS has gone so far as to say that entire trip is deductible. So now think about when you work from home and when you leave home, how often is your trip truly tax deductible. I would venture to say probably close to 75% of the time, you at least make a stop somewhere that is business related, hence making your entire trip deductible. So don't avoid deducting your car and be as aggressive as you can because again, how do you get audited on your car? How do they know where you went? How do they know? So what we do is pull out our nifty calendar, or you print out your Outlook calendar the night before the audit and you write in all the places that you went and the IRS laugh and they go, I know what this is. And I say, so do I. So how are we going to deal with this? And they go, all right, we'll give you 50%. And I'm like, mm, come on, we filed on time every year. We always pay, give them more. Okay, 75. And I'm like, really? Okay, I'll take 80, but my client will sign off on the audit today. Great, done. Again, no jail, no man showing up at your doorstep, simply a paperwork back and forth. So I'm not talking about lying. I'm not talking about cheating. I'm talking about playing in the gray so that we can keep more of your hard-earned money that you can then put back into your community that needs it because nobody's supporting our communities right now besides small business owners. Oh, absolutely. And you answered my follow-up because I was going to ask you, how do they know? How do they know? Because I live right. in Missouri and if I'm like, hey, I went and picked up a part for my thing in California, so yeah. I'm going to deduct the next 7,000 miles off my car trip. Right. How, how do they know that that's legit? But you said just right. comparing of calendars. Looking at your calendar, you know, printing out your calendar. And I mean, anyone can write a calendar. So right. it really, it's again about ordinary and necessary and reasonable. If you make $100,000, but 50000 of it is auto expenses, I can understand they're going to be a little irritated. But you have two or three or $5,000 in vehicle expenses that, you know, four to 500 bucks a month with the price of gas right now, totally reasonable that that might be an expense. And so that's when, you know, I really ask people two things. Keep exceptional records of every dollar you spend. And then don't just drop off your stuff with your accountant and pick it up three weeks later and go, oh, great tax return. What? I owe 30000 Oh, really what you <laughs> want to do, this is a collaboration. This is working with a tax advisor to look at your numbers, have these discussions. What's a reasonable number for my kind of business? This is what I have. What do you think is reasonable to deduct? Because sometimes I'll say, you know, Ryan, I see you have 25000 in expenses, but based on your business, your location, your zip code, I'm going to recommend we only deduct half of that. And sometimes that's the case. Um, and that's where I really see it as a collaboration. That's fair. We have time for one more quick one. So we'll do okay. one more. One more. Number four. Great area yeah. expense. 
of meals. I love meals. So the law changed uh, under Trump. We got the Margarita Law, which allowed us a hundred percent deduction for meals. But right now it's back down to fifty in twenty twenty three. So what that means is that any meal that you have in a restaurant where there is an element of entertainment is only fifty percent deductible. So every time you eat in a restaurant, and I'm not talking about picking up Subway and bringing it back to the office. I'm talking about sitting in a restaurant with another person having a meal. That meal is 50% deductible if it has a business purpose. Okay. How do we know? How do they know that you and I had dinner and what we talked about? I have my receipt that shows two adult meals and two adult beverages. Fine. And under audit, the night before, I take my pen and I go, dinner with Ryan, dinner with Wendy, discussed uh, future podcasts, discussed future endeavors, right? Ordinary and necessary, a reasonable number, and you have your receipts. Why would you not deduct your meals? It's not about the dollar value. It's that it was in a restaurant with a business purpose. And I'll see businesses who make $100,000 and have $500 in meals. And I'm like, really? Like, that's it? Okay, if you say so, if you'd like to play in the gray, then let's go back through your credit cards um, and look and see if there are any other meals that perhaps if you think really hard, you might remember <laughs> had a business purpose. It, absolutely. And and what I'm getting, and I hope this doesn't come off wrong, is is tax strategy is a lot like gymnastics. You there, There's some few twists and turns, and you just got to nail that landing because if you try to do too much, then, yes. then you fall on your face. And yes. but but the gymnastics for getting some of these is is entertaining because I've interviewed other tax people and of course me being in the world that I am. Uh, I want to thank you so much. I have uh, I'm gonna do uh, so it's Wendy Barlin, CPA. Yep. Right. And you have a book out that's called That's Deductible. I do. Um, and it's available how do you on find Amazon. that book? Okay. Excuse me. Amazon. No, no, it's available on Amazon. It is available. It's a quick, easy read. And I wrote the book because I tend to get the same questions over and over and over again from business owners. And there are only so many business owners I can personally help in any given day. And yet the questions I was asked was the same. And I hated to send people to Google to get their answers. So I wrote the book. It's got some cartoons in it. It's fun. It's a weekend read. Um, and then if there's anything in there that's unclear on my website at wendybarland.com are a lot of free resources, calculators for auto expenses and home office deductions. And if you want to reach me, everything is at the website wendybarland.com. And thank you so much for making yourself available for us today and available to our listeners. She knows absolutely what she's talking about. Uh, and you don't want a CPA that's, uh, that it doesn't know how to do the gymnastics that we're talking about. There are deductions out there. You need to keep up on that. So one parting question, Wendy, I ask this of all tax people on my show. What is the weirdest thing that's deductible? I have pit expenses. I had a client who deducted her pet expenses and you would think, what? 
That's for sure an audit. But actually her dog was her mascot and he was on her business cards, on her letterheads and on her website. So she did in fact get audited and the IRS gave her a clean bill of health, no additional tax due because she was able to show that all her pet expenses were part of her marketing costs. Well, very good. Yes, pet expense. That's up there. Uh, no one oh, would ever yes. think. No one would ever think that they can do there. So put your pet on your business card is what yeah. I heard. So uh, once again, thank you, Wendy, for joining us. Wendy Barlin, CPA. The book is that's deductible. You can find that on Amazon and WendyBarlin.com. Uh, go check her out there. Thank you. Hey, thank you so much.